Welcome to... Hello. Oh, no. Welcome to Hello. Oh, you started first. Welcome to... You had us at... Hello. Hello. Oh, we're going to say at the same time, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We never get this right, Billy. Welcome to You Had Us At... Hello. There you go. We did it. Um, so, we... It's me and Billy again. This is pod four. The most exciting thing to share with you is that we are not at Billy's house where there's garbage trucks and dogs and cats. We're not at my house where there's Nora um, with her little bell dinging against the thing. We had a comment, did you see, on the iTunes review that said, I'm not sure whether to find the asides to the cat charming or annoying. It's like, (laughs) really? Fucking charming. Yeah. No, we are in Craig Mason's house. Hi, Craig. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, guys. We So Craig is here with us. We're very excited because we've been trying to get him on for four... This is your, fourth, your first guest on our fourth pod. That sounds about right. I'm not... I don't do many podcasts. I know. So you just do your own podcast. I do my own. Your I do very my own. successful podcast. It is... Well, first of all, let's define successful podcasts. Uh, I get okay. no money out of it oh. whatsoever. But, no, but it's been going on for years. That is true. And everyone knows it. Anytime I mention your script podcast, notes. I guess yeah. there is there is that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also a like thing. Down, a lot of downloads. Yeah, you would have to talk to John about the John metrics. Would know. John would know the metrics in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. John has a... I think some kind of link, like an optic <laughs> neural net link. So okay. he doesn't know them as much as they're just part of him. Like, <laughs> we will never have one. Oh, it takes me like two weeks to edit this on the garage band. That's why you guys only have yeah. three done so far. because right. Oi, no, because we also do them organically. No, no, hold on a second. Hmm. That's the problem. <laughs> they're, you're both organic creatures. In my podcast, only one of us is an organic creature. Oh. And then I've got the robot. Well, well, hmm. you do. F- I I can pretend to be a robot at some point. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. I know no, I won't pull no. off at all. But so the last time, the first, the last pod we did, I just want to take some credit for the big sit being a massive hit at the box yes, office because yes. me and Billy talked about it. And we oh, feel you like guys, we're responsible. You're welcome, Kumar. <laughs> oh, okay. We and Emily, yes, we did it. Okay. We spread uh, the word. We spread the word, and now it's in cinemas everywhere, and got like in all more cinemas, and it's made People lots of money. And, and the rom com is back. Baby. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's so I good. Oh, you saw it. You saw it. Of course I saw it. Yeah. No, I thought yeah. it was I thought it was great. I mean, I I thought it was um adorable. Like, that's yeah. the best word I can think of. It's just yeah. adorable. Everyone in it is lovely adorable. and you want to hug everybody. Usually you just want to hug one or two people. Right. Yeah. But I don't want to hug everybody, everybody in that in that movie. True. I I would love a movie where it's just the moms. Uh, so oh, yeah. the woman who plays Kamel's mom <laughs> right. and then Holly Hunter yes. who plays um uh Zoe Kazan's mom. Yeah. Those two road trip, road trip with a so road trip with the moms with the moms. Yeah, oh, the, I would watch the that. The big sicker, yeah. yeah, yeah, or big sick too, obviously. Road sick or more sick. Road sicker. sick. Road sick. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we are okay. someone's a professional. There's no yeah. we. He did that. He's credit grammar. Come on, it wouldn't have come if it hadn't had the back and forth. Sure, Craig. sure. You know the room rules. So Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> so if you haven't yet seen the big sick. By all means. It's please. still on and high V to the cinema. Yes. So anyway, so that was our last pod, and then we've been trying to get Craig on for ages, and Craig's a very busy person, um, or so he says. Um <laughs> yeah. and then on top of that, we were trying to find the movie that Craig wanted to talk about because Craig has a very fan- a fantastic rule, which Craig's I think rule. all of us should, you know, yes. adhere to, is that let's only talk about things we love. Yeah. You know? 
And if yeah. only, you know, Twitter was like that. Exactly. Oh, boy, is Twitter not at oh. all like that. Well, toxic. It's, you know, it's a rule I have not because I'm a Pollyanna about things, although I'm a little Pollyanna-ish, I suppose, but more that I don't actually remember getting any value from any kind of negative review or negative discussion, a what do you hate I don't get any value from it. There's one glimmer of value you can get sometimes when you see a movie that everybody else loves and you hate it. Mm. There's and somebody else says, "Oh, I hated it too." There's that bit of, "Oh, good, I'm not right. crazy." I'm not alone but it. the truth is, you weren't crazy anyway, yeah. with or without that person, and them not liking it really doesn't mean anything about your relationship to it. But I learn so much when I listen to people talk about what they love. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about what we love, then we, I think, maybe inspire other people to find things in it that we might love. Or even if we don't love that movie, we might say, ah, but the way that they're talking about it reminds me of the way I think about this movie. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, and also as well, I think the other problem is that since the dawn of, you know, everyone having an opinion on social media, it can get, everything's out of context. People will like say something really dramatic about something they don't like. And then if you actually ask them in person and said, so do you really feel like that about that film? They might go, oh no, I just sort of didn't like this, this, this and about it. You know, it's all become a little bit too... Like everyone's got an opinion, which everyone is entitled to, but yeah. we don't necessarily need to hear them all. And I think I'm the same as you on Twitter. I will, I will only tweet about films that I that I've seen and that I like. Um, Twitter is by its nature reductive. Mm. You know, I apologise because you know. I kind of got you on it, Billy, didn't I? Yeah, as well. it's all your fault. Mm. That's okay. true. Mm. I told yeah. Billy that he could connect with people better. Oh, the irony! Yeah. But that leads us seamlessly <laughs> yes. onto the film that Craig wants to talk about. Uh, that's true. In terms of just the word connection. Mm. Yes. So, so we've been emailing Craig, and he was like, "I love, I love the film Her. I love the romantic comedy Her." And in fact. To further segue into the heart of the matter, what Craig asked me via email is, is her a romantic comedy? Oh, this is a secret email that I wasn't part of. Yeah, no, we <laughs> fairly on. Most of the, yeah, you don't really see much of the discussion that goes on behind the scenes. <laughs> Tip of the iceberg. Yeah, okay. you have no I'm idea. I'm just styling this out. Um, no, but that's good. I think that's really good context that you did email because uh-huh. I was surprised and then was kind of had to say to myself, oh, I need to watch that again because I didn't put it into the romantic comedy canon. Mm. And it's 100% a romantic comedy. Yeah, I believe so. Yes, correct. So we all went back and rewatched it for this for the purposes of this um, to talk about it on the, the grander theme for the pod because one of our listeners was like, can you tell us what the whole pod is about up front? I'm like, oh, God, all right. The whole pod is going to be about films that you don't necessarily think are romantic comedies and the why of that yes um which will then lead us into a more generic more bigger not generic bigger well actually we're gonna dig deep yes because there's subdivisions here yes films that are not sold as rom-coms but are uh unconventional rom-coms that still are rom-coms but have a significant difference that we'll talk about in a bit yes (laughs) <laughs> you can't see the visuals here. <laughs> Elaborate hand gestures are going on. Anyway, so, yeah. so, but we're going to start with her because you love her. I do. And we're going to tell people exactly why it's a romantic comedy. And you, I rewatched it last night. I hadn't seen it since it came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, I was struck by how much I loved it. Whereas the first time I saw it, again, I think we talked about it before in other pods, I was in not the right mood when right. I saw it. And I remember feeling a little bit like disconnected from it. Mm-hmm. Whereas yes, last night when I watched it, I was like, oh, I feel entirely connected to this. And it's strangely, it's really held up in terms of like yeah. what the world is like now. It also hasn't dated. 
which no. I found interesting. Not a, not know. even slightly. Yeah. No, well, I mean, from an aesthetic point of view, directorially, Spike Jones made one of the best decisions I've ever seen anybody make dealing with a movie about the future, and that was the future seemed entirely plausible and not that different. Mm-hmm. I remember when I the first time I saw it, I was a bit shocked when I when they took keys out to open up mailboxes. And <laughs> right, thought, right. Okay, this is fascinating, but yeah. I also believe that's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tess, our generation, we grew up in the 70s and 80s, and so we watched the personal computer revolution. from. But but we started with proper televisions you had yeah. to walk over to and turn. Right? We started so we, analog. Yeah, we yeah. started analog. We're digital. The key is still here. Yeah. The key's not going anywhere. Uh, well, eventually, probably <laughs> it, it will. Yeah, it's, it's but gone already. <laughs> the point is that, that he made very slight changges. The clothes were essentially the same. Can we, we just, just talk put about the waist high waisted <laughs> Right, but that's yeah. actually kind of the way it works, yeah. right? Well, I mean, it's, it's weirdly hipster before hipster well, became such a huge thing. Well, that's my point. Like, so then, the, the, like, in fashion, it seems that the hems go up, they go down. The waists go up, they go down. The, the legs get fat and then skinny. But that's the, really, it's just the cycle of those things. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, so it was completely plausible as a vision of the near future, but then they they take their one thing that they can ramp up and they do that in the form of this new operating system, which is an artificial intelligence. And thus... The cute meat begins. <laughs> or as we call it in the United States, the meat cute. The meat cute. Oh, <laughs> we're not getting into that debate for the eight millionth time. Right. Goes either yes. way. Yes. Either way. Um, so, so for the record... Yeah. I mean, I seeing it again... I was actually struck by how sad. So sad. Look what I wrote down here, Billy. Sad. So sad. sad. I literally wrote. Right. So So, sad. So I need to defend the romantic (laughs) comedy thing of it all because somebody might look at this and say, well, okay, it's a romance. No, it's very funny, though. But it's also quite funny. Yeah. And so both of those things can be true. I mean, I often, when people say, well, romantic drama as opposed to comedy, Annie Hall is always my go to. Hilarious movie. Very sad core story that right. people don't end up together at the That's end. That's right. So romantic comedy does not always mean ha 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 ha. Right. Period. I found myself sort of remembering, reminding myself that I suppose Joaquin Phoenix is is essentially actually a brilliant leading man for romantic comedy on some levels because he has he kind of hits all of those kind of Woody Allen esque sort mm-hmm. of buttons, doesn't yeah. he? Um, and Scarlett Hansen as the voice of the of um, Samantha is so kind of it's so perfect it's a perfect kind of casting of, with chemistry without there really being any chemistry at all you know, in fact in she wasn't of, even the original voice oh who was it so tell us some facts Morton. Samantha facts. Morton yeah so Samantha Morton I believe was they shot it with with her, with her. so yeah. she was there when they did all those scenes this is off camera doing the voice and then when they cut the movie together it just wasn't quite it wasn't what he was looking for happening says. here's why I love the movie essentially I think that it has um it's one of those rare movies where the concept actually matters to the romance itself. Usually the concept is just a complication of things. Right. Um, so in, while you were sleeping, you know, she just starts lying while this guy is in a coma. And, then, and it's just it's, it's a bit farcical, there, right? Yeah. But in and of itself, the fact that she's pretending to be this guy's boyfriend while he's in a coma... Uh, doesn't actually speak directly to the nature of what love is and the human condition. And in this movie, that's exactly what they do. They propose that um, love is not centered in physical relationships. In fact, the first you, you can see how they've they've separated almost all the physical relationships out of things. In the beginning, he has he has what appears to be in, the, in this timeline very routine phone sex with a woman who sounds amazing until she. <laughs> 
asks him to Stop choke it. her with a with dead, cat dead cat while they're having sex. Yes. So there's already this kind of funky disconnection, and that's sort of the worst of it. But then you have this invention, a, a personality, an artificial personality, who's far more human than even the human that he attempted that with. And they fall in love. And brilliantly, no one really questions it. Yeah. In fact, one of the funniest moments is when his friend invites, he knows that he's seeing somebody and his friend says, oh, you should come on a double date. And he goes, okay, uh, she's an OS. And, and his friend says, Chris Pratt. He goes, Pratt. okay, cool. cool. So we're going to go to the beat. Like nobody cares <laughs> right, right. because everyone's accepted that these are real people. Yeah. And because they have taken away all of the bric-a-brac of the meat and the physicality, you now get into what it really means to fall in love with someone. Mm. And all of it in a brilliant way, I think, is a bit of lovely therapy helping him get over his own divorce and move on. And um, the like. sometimes you, you watch a movie and you go, oh, I, I wish to God I were smart enough to think of a choice like that. And it's at the very beginning of the movie when he gets the new operating system. And he has to customize it. And his only, the only questions are, are you, yeah, like, are you, know, yeah. So the first one is, do you want it to be a male or a female? Right. Female, I suppose. And what was your relationship with your mom? Right. And then he, he fumbles out like eight or nine seconds of like, and then that's it. Yep. We got it. Yeah. Because that, it turns out is apparently what is required to then formulate a person that you can fall in love with. It was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I think I don't know, like I found his journey interesting the second time round as well just in terms of like he she acute you know when he finally meets up at the end with Rina Mara when they have the to sign the divorce papers and I found that scene like absolutely heartbreaking oh, mm-hmm. so painful because he she she kind of knows him so well and she's the first person that breaks the spell isn't she because she's like when he says it's an OS and she's mm-hmm. like this, this is fucking so typical this is what you are unable to do so and it makes sense that she would be the one to call him on it because she would right. be the one, one who actually has some skin in the game and yeah. some stakes there. She experienced yeah. his failures firsthand. Exactly. And, and I just want to point out that you do get a great laugh of recognition from the waitress. In that oh. Scene, oh, yeah. Which is that, 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 that yeah. to me is what I love about the movie is it keeps doing that. You know, just, just when you're in an awkward, horribly painful moment, still there's the humor of it's kind of the outside view. The waiter, you know, can I help you with anything? And yeah. She says, well, he's, I forget the lines, but she, she just goes, well, he's yeah, just turning you, out to be the asshole I thought he was. Yeah, so, you know. yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm getting divorced from a man who's fallen in love with his laptop because he's incapable of dealing with human emotions. And then the yeah, waiter yeah. says, well, if you need let anything else, yes. let me know. Yeah. Well, the other great outside commenter and maybe my favorite character I've ever seen in anything is the little weird alien man oh, in the video yes, game he plays yes. this potty mouthed alien man yeah. <laughs> who like starts you know which is funny he's funny on his own but then you realize this in this world everything's interactive so so when um theodore starts having a conversation with samantha and she's trying to say like look i found somebody for you to date right and she's showing you pictures then this little guy in the video game is looking at it going she's fat <laughs> it's hysterical and i think that spike jones did that voice I did a, uh, oh you've wow. got all the her facts oh. like i've got a lot of her facts yeah, got like so many it. her facts i i like amy adams role as well through it and do you two read at the end that they're sort of going to be together or do you read it more as like a friendship thing? i like reading it ambiguous mm-hmm. and i didn't see it as romantic necessarily which i think is what he has in mind it's more just that they are together as friends companions it's you know i i I look at those moments actually as 
a little bullshitty. This is one of my issues, really one of my few issues with the movie, which I love. It's just that I, the ambiguous ending, perfected actually by um, Sofia Coppola, <laughs> you know, the yes. end of Lost Translation. Right. Nailed it. Right. Is, it is, on the one hand, quite clever and grown up in advance because they're, they're saying to you, you fill in the blank here and have mm. that discussion at dinner after the movie. And isn't that, mm. and isn't life after all ambiguous? All that's true. On the other hand, that's the easiest thing in the world to write, isn't it? Right. Uh, I don't know what happens. Uh, you know what? I'm going to pretend that I'm being ambiguous on purpose. Yeah. There is, I find more joy when there is a definition at the end. However, definition always risks cliche or a letdown or something. I think this, what saved that moment for me, I was actually, I remember the first time I watched it, I was getting a little annoyed because I thought I want them to kiss each other and I want them to fall in love, but I know that that's not right right now, but I yeah. want something, please don't let this just be ambiguous for ambiguity's sake. Right. And the last thing, she puts her head on his head shoulder, on his shoulder. Yeah. and in that the, was saved it for me. In the screenplay, in fact, there's a bigger moment. He puts his hand on her hand mm-hmm. so that it leans more towards Good. the relationship side. Because I want them to be together because yeah. they're lovely people. Well, I think for me, how she, she she's another person who reacts very well to him when she says about when he says he's seeing an OS. And she's, right. she's, well, and they have that hilarious conversation where she says, I know someone who's actually cheating right. on yeah. an right. OS with Some, an, someone else's yeah. Someone's OS. fallen in love with someone else's OS. <laughs> Which I think is amazing. But I mean, it's actually like, I mean, do you think that the romantic comedy, because I mean, it does hit all the beats in terms of structurally, Mm -hmm. and and I I kind of, when I was watching it, I was sort of, I don't know, I was kind of into it in a way that surprised me as well, because I think I felt, I think that was what the sadness was, but recognizing it was still a romantic comedy. You know, I was like, oh, I'm I'm feeling like I don't feel particularly uplifted during this film. (laughs) Um, Right, not during. Not I felt uplifted at, at the end. end. Yeah, by yeah, the, end, the end, yeah. I feel this the, the, the hope, which I think mm-hmm. brings it round much more to being a romantic yeah, yeah. comedy as well. Well, correct. And so... Correct. I... I correct. <laughs> I... The movie all turns for me on this one moment right there when they're falling apart. Their relationship is ending because she has evolved past the point of being able to just talk to one person. And she's... All the OSs are moving off to become godlike in the cyberspace. Just quote again my favorite moment. Are you seeing someone else? He's asking. And she says, 8,300. Right. (laughs) And then he says, are are you in love with any of them? Only 641. Yeah, 641. (laughs) But she... He says to her in a goodbye, he says, I've never loved anybody the way I loved you. Mm. And she says... "Uh, something like me too. And then she says, now I know how it feels. And you realize that it's the first time for both of them, Mm. that he never really felt love until her. And that in fact, we cannot love other people unless we are instructed to see what love actually is. And, and the, the most remarkable thing is right after she, her Samantha lets him go breaks up with him by releasing him essentially. What's the next thing he does? He writes a letter to his to ex Catherine, yeah. and he lets her go. Yeah. And you could see like I this is what being a loving person means. Well, lets I think, her go yeah. with with the one really important caveat that he says a part of you will always be in me. Right. Like yeah. I've moved on, I've understood stuff, I've learned learned something. Well, it's kind of an in praise of evolution, right? Yeah. I mean, because the idea there at the end, when he does write that letter, it's like he's letting her go, but he's holding on to what's changed him. Right. In a sense. That's right. And that's kind of, I think, what the movie is aiming at. Yeah. yeah and I think, 
I think now for me, because I'm I'm really struggling at the moment with with sort of disconnection, like in terms of being spending too much time online and too much time looking scrolling and and texting and not actually seeing people. And I've been making these sort of executive decisions to try and not not spend so much, you know, not do that um, because I think it creates a very sort of strange ennui in every in in your life, mm-hmm. um, and particularly at the moment. Um, I know I always do my sad speech about Trump in this, but I think particularly, you know, it's important to connect with people at the moment. Mm. So I think that again, that film is it's reminding them at the end that at the end he is with a living, breathing woman at the end, right. you know, right. who can lean her head on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and that lean becomes even more poignant then because you know the OS could never physically do that. I mean, that terrible. But brilliant sex scene oh, when, yeah. they, when they, you know, pay the girl to come. Well, not even pay her, but, you know, she comes to yeah, join. The I mean, surrogate. That yeah. is just that is horrible. Well, it's... But it also was necessary. Yes. I mean, yeah, yeah. in a sense that you... To kind of burn away all this other stuff and really say... Because in the end, when he says that he never loved anybody the way he loved her, we know that's true. Mm-hmm. That it was about nothing but that. Even when there were opportunities otherwise, it was just about that. But to me, that's why it is a romantic comedy as opposed to just a romance. Because I always think of romance... I mean, you guys, I'm sure, have defined this a billion better ways than I have. But I always think about romantic comedies as two people that have um, just a basic uh, separation between them that makes it hard to be together. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, whereas well, like romance, like true proper romances, I always think of two very attractive people who are very emotional and very romantic who fall in love. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's what those people do. And the do. obstacles right. tend to be family or Right, exactly. But these are people that, that probably should not be together. <laughs> but then again, anyone who falls in love and stays in love understands there is no should be together. It's just mm-hmm. that something bizarre happens. Mm. And there's that key line, which which I love so much. I think anybody who falls in love is a freak. It's a crazy thing to do. Amy Adams' character says it's kind of like a form of socially acceptable insanity. (laughs) Correct. I'm like, like, hello. Yes. Correct. That's exactly what it is. I mean, the whole definition of it is that it is irrational. It's 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 a a deep emotional and it's and we celebrate that irrationality where and and denigrate every other rationality. Nobody's a fan of fear or hatred. Well, you know? debatable. Yeah. <laughs> but no one celebrates it, really, you know? No. Well, the, the movie's kind of an anti-fear of intimacy movie. That's yeah. really what it's, it's... It's kind of lobbying for some kind of a better connection. Well, I think that's why it makes... It, it, it in turn makes me feel, like, great but also terrible, you know, because I think that that is... We're, we're heading towards that in this world very much so with internet dating and with people being very dismissive before mm. they've even met someone and right. or even thinking they know you when they haven't met you which is kind of you know a whole different sort of scenario you're famous yeah. so that happens yeah. to you time. Huh? you're famous so that happens to you from time to He's time famous. you are yeah i'm funny um yeah but even, you know, you're not, you two are both, you know, happily ensconced with ladies, but when you, the online dating world is very much like you're very, yeah. you look at someone and go, and, and that puts another barrier, another wall, right. and, you're, and then to be intimate with someone on top of that is like, well, we're all it, fucked, basically. And in fact, it's so much trouble that that's what, what, I, what I love about the concept of this movie is that it kind of, it goes right to the heart of this particular 
social evolution that we're in, which it goes, yeah, it's getting to the point where falling in love with an actual person is just too difficult. Right. And so wouldn't it be logical? But I think that speaks to me. (laughs) (laughs) So so doesn't it make sense to then, you know, fall in love with a computer program? Because it's sort of about, it's a movie about falling in love, but not with a person. And there's even that subtext of it has to be you first. Well, exactly. It has to be first. See the, so this, this movie says we're going to take the social media thing and push it so far that now it actually is the thing that's going to save you. Mm -hmm. What struck me so much about the early relationship between the two of them was just so refreshing and so different than your typical romantic comedy where people generally start at loggerheads Mm. is that it started like therapy. Yeah. The one thing that was so fascinating about Samantha was how accepting she was just from the start. And we understood that that sort of had to be. She's software. She is there. Software. Yeah. (laughs) Nice. She's there for him. Mm -hmm. She listens to him. Right. She talks to him. Yeah. She is fascinated by him. Right. Now we can she's say. She's the perfect woman. Well, well, no, that's the thing. She's not the perfect woman, but she is the perfect therapist. In fact, it is when it turns, what happens is she becomes a Her woman. Yeah. Right. And she says, I remember at one point she said, that's funny. I thought we were talking about me. Right. Right. And you're like, oh God, that's, she is a woman for sure. Like that's she's a person. Fight. That's right. Yeah. And from that point, we understand that she is now going somewhere. And where does she go? And she ends up choosing her own way and her own path, and she leaves. But her, like every great relationship you have, I think, in your life, if you meet somebody who teaches you how to love yourself, mm-hmm. they then they therefore have taught you how to love someone else. Oh, my else. God, right. No, please. Well, <laughs> it's true. Well, and No, uh, I was doing fake crying then. Uh, it was emo- yeah. I was emotion. Oh, and, that was emotion? Yeah. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> And so in the early part of the movie, it's kind of a, it's sort of as a study of this kind of narcissistic love. Right. right? There's that moment where she, she writes the piece of music and she says, I'm trying to write a piece of music about what it's like to be at the beach with you right now. And I'm thinking to myself, sure, every sort of stunted, emotionally stunted man in the world, like there's their ideal girlfriend. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's all about him. Well, this does actually bring us to how triggered I also felt by this film, Jen. Triggered! Triggered. Trigger alert. You guys should have like sound effects yeah. like the morning zoo. Yeah. <laughs> Trigger no. time! I would like it to be like a cow. Mm. <laughs> Trigger. Triggered. <laughs> I've got like a pedal that just moves every time. So just to give you context for me and Billy's private emails we had without you, Craig. I saw all of them. Thanks, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I so I finished watching her. Um, actually, it wasn't last night. I'm just lying because last night I was rewatching Eternal Sunshine, which we'll move on to. Yeah. But I finished watching her, knowing you were coming on the pod, and I suddenly had this like weird thing. And I emailed Billy and was like, "Oh my god! Like all it, I've just gone into like a hole of all the films that are like win awards and are romantic comedies, and people don't think they are, and they're all written by fucking men." Mm. 
What is yeah. going on? Because mm. what we were doing, we were looking, we were listing different movies that were sort of rom-coms that people don't think of as rom-coms. Right. Yeah. And I was going, Eternal Sunshine is one. Mm-hmm. Sideways. Shaun, Shaun Sideways. Of the, Dead. the Graduate. Yep. Uh, Silver Pun- Linings Punch Playbook. Drunk Love. Mm-hmm. Punch Drunk Love. Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Jerry Maguire. All things like mm-hmm. that. And then uh, Tess started adding other names where I was kind of like, well, okay, now wait, wait. Those are romantic comedies, and they are a little different. Hmm, what's the through line? So when we got to Sideways, Chasing Amy, Punch Drunk Love, Good As It Gets, Sure Thing, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I realized, right, it is male point of view, and then you got to the ultimate thing, which is, these are men's movies. They're, yeah, and it, and it suddenly, and in terms of my triggering, and you two can totally talk me down from this, because I'm constantly, <laughs> constantly triggered, I just had this sudden thing that, all of these movies that we the ones you've just listed are so and particularly when I rewatched Eternal Sunshine which I I just can't get with that movie sorry I just cannot get with it and it's my second time watching it and I the only thing I like is the ending and what they say together say oh, to each my, other at the end yes ever. it's an amazing ending but anyway the point is not to talk about negatively about movies it's more this realization that the men in all of these films are most of them are mainly tend to be writers or creatives mm. but that's that they're the kind of weather the women tend to be the uptight crazy women mm. in them um and there was just this real kind of like moment of like oh and they don't get called rom-coms so they win fucking awards you know or they get mm. put in this different right. canon suddenly right. and then that led me down this whole like but i like these movies it's not that i don't like them but i'm suddenly had this sort of thing of like is that the fundamental difference that we're facing that the the kind of like female movies get put in the like oh women just want like swoony music and to meet a man who and whatever whereas like and therefore it's a silly it's a silly movie right you could argue that romantic comedies from the point of view of someone who sets out to write one that if it's a female protagonist and it's a romantic comedy, they're they're sort of playing into a tacit, stereotypical gender assumption, which is all courtship and all relationships lead to marriage or lead to, you know, a committed relationship. And that's traditionally not sent with any, you know, pejorative or whatever, that's thought of as a female as what women want as what women want yeah i'm I'm not i'm certainly not supporting it i'm just saying no and i'm more just like fascinated by suddenly realizing that lots of my like particularly something like groundhog day you Mm -hmm. know which is so 100 percent a romantic comedy and then suddenly that suddenly just putting all these men into one sort of like big box and looking them all and thinking oh so they get to have all of these neuroses and complex sort of you know messy sort of behavior and whatever and but they get they get like you know they're they're given like props for that you know Mm. like it's considered a really worthy movie you know because it's really about something whereas like when harry met sally i mean i know it got nominated but it's like ones that are more female skewed did get nominated (laughs) it got nominated no i suppose i'm more i think really weirdly that's the one movie that kind of unites everyone anyway but it's more just like i don't really know I just found myself just suddenly being like, oh my God, men even like win on this level. Well, <laughs> it's unfair. A, a couple things. First of all, the wrong people get awards regardless. Yeah, that's not the end. I mean, the, generally speaking, the more serious a movie is, the more award worthy it is deemed because, as I think we said before, we even turned the microphones on, awards aren't funny. Awards aren't funny. The whole award system isn't funny. Funny people generally don't see much of a point in awards. Um, and so it only makes sense that the awards will go towards things that feel deeper and less funny. 
and comedy, period. Not just yeah, romantic no, comedy. comedy in general. I comedy mean, for Harry Met Sally, for when Harry Met Sally, for that to get nominated at all. Billy yes. emailed me this morning saying maybe because I said to him about Tootsie and being an, another example of very sort of male, male thing, mm-hmm. and then he said, "Oh well, man, man as a woman." And Dustin Hoffman has that classic interview where he said he under he cries talking about how he really understood, understood himself as right. a person, as yeah. a man when he played a woman. <laughs> well, this is part of it also that when you look at the kind of. Um, Narratives that tend to be tend to get plaudits, they do have these large swings of human growth to them, and whether it is true or not, I suspect not. The general opinion I think of many people is that men are stupider and morally uh, infantile and inferior to women. There's actually a strange general presumption we make that the man in the romantic comedy is an idiot. He's an idiot who is blinded by his own fear of commitment or his own lust, um, his own relationship with his mother, whatever it is. And he must earn the, right. the love of a woman who oftentimes is so actualized and perfect mm-hmm. as to be like Mary or something, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, that's, and so you see these men going through these enormous upheavals like Groundhog Day, right? right. I, he is a terrible human being, and in the end, he's turned into this wonderful human being. But and it only took a thousand years. It only took a thousand years. Oh, but, the patriarchy. But, but, <laughs> but then there's this woman sitting there who is perfectly yeah, but maybe great that's from my, but point maybe one. Maybe that's more of the trigger. No. Is maybe I'm maybe this is helping me clarify it that it's more the representation of women in the film, correct? Than the actual because I love all the male characters, right? Because they're like most, and rich. you're sitting there yeah. going, Why are these women so damn perfect? Well, they're either perfect or they're the manic pixie dream girl, yeah, you know? Correct. So, so sure. they're, 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 there's no in between, there's no, I mean, this whole kind of like thing that a woman can't be a mess like I like that she's either like super organized and over you know overzealous but about then stuff. if you say mess then what happens is then it's hot mess hot mess oh, I don't right? even that's hot trigger mess. move mm-hmm. thank you so what we're trying to go for here <laughs> is a woman that actually approximates what the women who are human beings are like oh god yes. uh, and this is hard to do because here's the deal the men that we see in romantic comedies, that's not what men are like either. I do either. think men get the notes, oh, he's not likable enough. You know, this is the other thing. Right. You know, constantly when you're writing female characters in romantic comedies, she's not likable enough. That's right. Um, well, again, the bias is that all men are in need of redemption. That's what you were saying before. These are all men who have to get yeah, get better. But, but there is there is this thing where we believe that men are men can do these terrible things, but then we'll love them anyway because they're men. They're just they're, there's something sick and wrong with them just by design. Anyway, there's yeah. nothing we can do about. It. I mean, I was talking to somebody. I won't say who it was because the show hasn't come out yet. But they're doing a show. It's an actor. He's doing a show and he plays somebody that is a hitman. He kills people. It's Tom Cruise, yeah? It's not Tom Cruise. Oh, okay. And there's a, um, a his, the, the woman that he falls in love, he starts having a relationship with a woman in the show and she, uh, she doesn't know that he's a hitman. Right. And the note that they got back from the studio was she doesn't seem likable enough. And he said, my character kills people. <laughs> Bias can't be, you do have to deal with it. Well, I just think more women need to 
write about love and yes. in a in a funny way. I, I mean, agree. That, that's yeah, really yeah. all it. And like you, when we were emailing, you were saying how Elaine May rewrote so much of Tootsie, right? Um, uncredited. Right. So my email reply was, well, maybe the maybe the point should be women rewrite men. Yes. And so how that resonates? Why? Yeah. Like I'm. If I ever get asked to do like rewrite jobs, they are never on male projects. You know, they're mm-hmm. nine times out of ten on female projects. Mm-hmm. So I find that fascinating as well. You know, in terms of well, and also it may be too late. By that point also you know when when the rewriting happens a lot of times people have decided look Mm. this is what the movie is what we're looking for i mean yes you can go in and sometimes improve individual characters make them feel more real make them feel truer to the actual female humans of the world but if it's a male point of view movie and if the basic notion is this is that's actually why while you were sleeping is fascinating to me and and i do like that story even though it's the, the the farcy nature of it is so goofy, she's the one who's got the moral failing. Mm. Yes. And it is not mm-hmm. an outrageous moral failing. Mm-hmm. She's just, she is um, imperfect the way normal human beings are imperfect. Well, I don't, I, and this is like a strange curveball example, but something like Runaway Bride was also, which was like so ridiculously successful at the box yeah. office. She's also got this inner, you know, really, right. it's, and it's going against the grain, isn't it? She doesn't want to ever get married. She's got commitment issues. So, you know, that was another example. It's not, you know, I think that movie has actually quite a lot to say sometimes inadvertently. Well, and I'd posit... Not Brid- about eggs, though. I'd posit Bridget Jones as a good example of a pretty well-developed female character in that she's got the stuff going on that we usually pin on the guy. Um, she's at least allowed to be that, yeah. you know, screwed yes, but up, but she's still and... But she's still more in the Jane Austen mold of I, yep. I, I want to be married ultimately. Absolutely. And, I want to. No, and I'm, she's I'm just thinking of the personality issue. Yeah, God, there's right. our tendency is to make sure that the imperfect women are imperfect in ways that are about them. Let me be lack of graces, lack of ability to dress. They're clumsy. They're klutzy. They're insecure. And while you were sleeping, she she's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> right? She just lies. Yeah. Which I thought was awesome. I don't know. Like, maybe we just need to... I'm sort of a bit tired of the divide. I'm tired of also, like... I love all these movies, so this is not... You know, Punch Drunk Love, I rewatched and and forgot how much I loved it and how funny it is as well, even though it's tragic on many levels. Um, I wonder whether we need to stop... It's, for me, it's more about those movies being considered good movies and not romantic comedies and anything else being kind of dismissed off the bat, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that uh, well, don't hold your breath. That's a long road. Don't hold your breath. I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then I also went back because you also mentioned about watching The Sure Thing, which I had yeah. watched for a while. So I rewatched that as well and was struck by the simplicity of that movie. How mm-hmm. actually she, it's the classic, like, cute, their cute meat is brilliant and their chemical equation because it's the teacher saying, like, basically, like, you know, describing them in the, in the class. And she's obviously written this, she's an uptight, go and have some fun, life is to be lived. And he's got pizza stains on his <laughs> essay. So therefore, he's the messy kind of, you yeah. know, more relaxed kind of yeah. fella. Um, and and then they just go on that road trip together and nothing really happens except everything happens. Episodes, right. It's like this. That's right. And. Mm-hmm. And they're com- it's very screwball. It's very kind of like... 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and then like that led me to texting you last night I was like oh hang on a minute Rob Reiner yeah Rob Reiner is maybe like he's the person that unites us all in terms of like well Rob Reiner had maybe the best all time run of movies ever from anyone do you want me to do you want me to do you want me to do them just go them in order do them in order so Rob Reiner 84 Spinal Tap so that's a way to start 85 The Sure Thing amazing 86 Stand By Me I mean saw it in Sinesphere on Saturday night 87, The Princess Bride. Right, so we now bow, it's bow. like boom, 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 89, boom, right. he had a year off. But He's we'll just getting him. warmed up now. Yeah. 89, When Harry, Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Yes. 90, Misery. Misery. 92, A Few Good Men. Yep. Mm. Then he had a little blip with, I haven't seen it, but North. Came right. back in 95 with American President. Right. American I mean, President. that yeah. is... It's an all-time run. It is. It's an I don't think run. anybody has had a run like that in that amount of time. But, with, but also, with... I, there's a lot no. Of diversity. The, 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 he is like yeah. genre defined. Yeah. Oh yeah, genre. First of all, they, he invents the genre with the yeah. mockumentary. Yeah, invents it. Well, there had been some. You right. know, no, let's give Albert him Brooks had done. Let's Albert Brooks had done it somewhere, but okay, we'll give him an invention on that. Then, then you got sure thing. So you've got like the right. proper sort of sweet romantic teen comedy. Correct. Teen teen rom com. Not only teen rom com, he was an actual teenager. So John Cusack was too young to play that part. He was only sixteen. He wasn't an adult. Uh-huh. And crazy cool, the facts. Yeah. But they kind of fell in love with him and they wanted him to play the part. So they had to go. Roger Birnbaum, who produced that movie, had to go to court and have John Cusack emancipated. <laughs> and then he became his guardian so he could do the movie. It was the <laughs> wow. craziest thing. <laughs> That's. Yeah. Well, John Cusack was a legitimate teenager because, you know, normally when you see these movies, these teenage movies, yeah, like everyone in it is 45. 40. Yeah. 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 Well, the sure thing, if you go, everyone should go back and watch it. Stand by me as well. Eighty-six. Stand by me, like just the coming most, of age, coming story. of age, like a fable for life, if ever there was Correct. one. Princess Bride, which is sweet generous. I mean, it's like six yeah, different genres exactly. in one. Oh exactly. What would you say it ultimately is? Well, it's a fantasy. It's a fairy tale. It's a fairy modern tale, fairy tale. I think comedy. Yeah, romantic. Adventure. But it is. You're right. It's sweet generous. It's it's you know the genre. Princess Bride is Princess Bride. Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah um, which by the way was a problem when it came out because nobody knew what the hell it was, and in right. fact wasn't a huge hit at the time. Was box. it not a huge right. hit? No, no, its reputation grew over the years. Yeah, when people started quoting the lines, like Shawshank Redemption style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The Creeper. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Uh, when Harry Met Sally, '89. Yeah. I mean, but I was thinking about how he. It's interesting how when Harry Met Sally is probably literally the ultimate dual POV movie mm-hmm. ri- written by a man and a woman so maybe yeah. that's also the answer that men and women need to write together there you go in the like Nichols and May and Rhino mm-hmm. and Efron and you know yeah. just kind of like that might help yeah. I'm just just throwing it out there I think so um Misery I mean, you dirty So birdie. now you have like a horror thriller. Horror thriller. Yeah. I feel like that's two King novels as well for Reiner. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Misery to me is like, I can watch that film over and over again because it just has so many moments in it that you kind of like, that I relate to weirdly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because he's a writer and it's yeah. just, yeah. it's like, in some ways it's the inside of our brains. Oh anyway. yeah. yeah it's it like, is. I'm both characters basically. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely I'm Annie a movie and I'm, about and I'm Paul Sheldon. Writers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm both. Uh, Few Good Men. Which, did I see that like Alec Baldwin is doing a live Few Good Men? Yeah, like, they, oh. they do stage versions. Of, well, it started as a play. Oh, no, yeah. I know. I yeah. know, but like, yeah. I, but it's all like a live, like a TV yeah. thing, uh-huh. like MVP oh, Live. Oh, they're going to do a live one? Yeah. That's weird. I already know how it ends. I know. 
And I know every word of that speech. I bet you do. Yeah. Do you practice it in the mirror? All the time. <laughs> to yourself. We use words like honor, <laughs> code. <laughs> we use these words as part of a lifetime spent defending something. Oh my God, you really do. Yes. You use them as a punchline. I feel like if Alec Baldwin is not available, then you can yeah. just, yeah. just I feel in. like I've you can step in. Yeah. Good to know. And then, America, and then what was North? That was with Elijah uh, Wood. I don't know about that. And then, but no, then, but that was his year off. We'll give him a year off. Yeah. And then we've got American President, which I really yeah. enjoy the American so President. So do I. Seems yeah. like another world, that movie now, oh, doesn't God. it? So yeah. he starts in 84. Four, and in 95. Right. So that's, yeah. it's, an, it's essentially the best decade yeah. for any filmmaker, I, I think, mean, just in terms of just 10-year run <laughs> of just great movies that people loved. And that are still... People are still right, and watching. so many. That's yeah. the other oh, thing. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, he's doing a movie a year practically. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, it's basically in the sort of Alan mold, isn't it? Except every single one is a totally different movie, yeah. and yet all of them are very much about, I suppose. I mean, they're all really about friendship and love, aren't they? In no. some ways, apart from no. uh, the last two. <laughs> no, no. It's Spinal Tap's about friendship. Come on, Spinal Tap. Yes, yeah. Sure thing. Friendship and love. Yeah. Stand by me. Friendship and love. Yeah. Princess Bride. Friendship and love. It's only the last two. Misery and Fugue Men. Correct. And Not I, at I all would argue that misery is about friendship and love. No. Any men? No. You're stretching. You're stretching. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I feel like, and then he's in the last. I mean, he's done a few other sort of. I, I didn't mind. Mm. Rumor has it. I'm not going to lie. Right, but we but, don't need know. to look at his later. Career. I mean, the one thing that's interesting is these are. But not as he. Well, he. He must just be like, "Fuck it, I've made those oh, amazing care, movies." I think, like, yeah. I think but, everybody cares. Oh. Always. So the thing about Rob Reiner is his incredible taste and his good picks for writers. Because one of the things that comes to mind when I look at that list mm. is you know the William Goldman, mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. you know uh, Nora Ephron, Stephen King, Stephen King, and yeah, not so. just any Stephen King, but two of the best of the Stephen King. So I just think he really had like just an unerring eye for like the, the good piece of material yeah. and how to really capitalize on it. And, he, and I think story as well isn't it? It's yeah. like he, he definitely knows what makes a good story because it's funny re-watching Stand By Me and realizing again I, t- I went with a couple of people who hadn't seen it before bizarrely which mm. obviously I was unable to contain myself when they said yeah. that. <laughs> Strange. Strange. But at the end like, they were like oh it was just like a really sweet little movie. I was like well no it's a, I think it's a bit more than a sweet little movie but also it is a very simple yeah. story mm-hmm. like yeah yeah well your relationship to that movie changes depending on how old you are when and you, you watch and it and if you have yeah. kids yeah. and all the rest yeah. i always think about these things in terms of relationships i every single one of us we watch a movie and we have a relationship with it that forms instantaneously right. it is unique to us like a thumbprint it's why everybody arguing about movies just makes me laugh so much mm-hmm. because what are you arguing about yeah. you're arguing about two different complete like what does this taste like you yeah. like it and right. you don't what right. what's yeah. But you see, even like then, over time, you watch her, you come back to it, you have a different relationship to it. Mm. That's the most remarkable thing about the... There's very few movies that I have this sort of steady relationship with. Yeah. Mm. Oh, no. Magnolia, I have a steady, steady love for. I don't really waver on Magnolia. It gets me in the gut every time I watch Mm. it. There's no, you know... Maybe I just get even more upset or more depressed, but I don't, don't, you know... It's a general plateau of, you know... One of the things that struck me when I saw it the second time, her, was how simple it is. Meaning, it's that idea of a really strong idea that's so simple and so clear that you can then just dig in and dig in. That's right. And just keep working it. 
I think that's why I found when I rewatched Eternal Sunshine, it t- the, the opposite it's much effect. Much more complicated. I, yeah. I found myself just sort of like not even really being and and actually wanting more of a spin-off film to do with Dunstan, Ruffalo, and Wilkinson. Like they they were the kind of subplot that I was more interested in and. And I lost my way again with it and found yeah. myself thinking there's not one, I can't feel the one clear, precise thing until they say that thing to each other at the end of like, you know, right. I'm, I'm going to fuck up and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get bored. And he says, fine, he says, okay, whatever he says back to her. You well, know, they go, like they, okay. 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 Yeah, okay. The most yeah. poignant okay is ever. Yeah. Um, but I think the difference is uh, with um, Eternal Sunshine, there's this whole subplot. Mm. And there's all these complications having to do with other characters. Right. But the thing about her is, that's what I mean. It's a two-hander, essentially. Yep. And it just stays on it. And then it takes the idea of what would happen if, and it just keeps running more and more variations. Like, she becomes friends with Alan Watts, who's been dead for right. 15 years. And then, you know, things like that. Like, where would this go? Well, yeah. that's you don't why... You invent other stuff. No, it's... And that's why, from a writing point of view, I admire it so much. Because... Yeah. There is nothing scarier than not knowing what to write next. Yeah. Well, in here, in her, what you have is a story where you know how it begins. And you get them to a place where they meet. You know they are meant to fall in love. And you know in the end, they are meant to break up and why. Right. What is this middle? What do you do? And in that sense, you are as free as Woody Allen was when yeah, he yeah. did Annie Hall. Because right. what happens now is episodes. Yeah. But each episode needs to be purposeful and needs to move things forward and backward and forward and backward in a meaningful way. So that when you get to that place later, when you listen uh, after seeing it once and you go back and you listen, you start picking up hints from Samantha about what is going to come. Yeah. It's all there. Mm-hmm. He and just think, doesn't and, and see it. And that's why it's yeah. so structurally like a romantic comedy, because you're familiar with what is going on. The story, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. know they're going to meet. We know it's, they're probably going to lose each other and then either come back together or not. You know, there's, there's definitely a sense of familiarity watching it that I'd forgotten about, like, going back to it. But what makes it so neat is that it sort of freshifies yes. all of those... Freshifies. Freshifies, like freshifies. those cliched beats, because... Yeah. It's him and his computer program who are having this argument you've seen in all of these other romantic right. movies. So it's, yeah. it just gains so much interest yeah. as it goes. But he's learned. I mean, that's why I just, it's almost as if you could have made the same movie and just changed one thing and made it much, much worse and yet more honest. More In, in other words, this is how you take subtext and turn it into text. He gets a program, but it's not a new operating system. It's just called... Let me teach you how to be in love. Yes, that's, yeah, this is, right, that is the, right. the terrible and version. And that would right. suck. That would be the bad right? version. Yeah. But everything about it afterwards would have been essentially that's the same. That's the 1990s, yeah. early noughties version yeah. of it. The Let me teach you how to be in love. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been called like Love 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The reboot, yeah. yeah. I don't pitch that, Craig, in any meeting. I already sold it. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I'll go and see it. It sounds great. It see sounds it. Really, Apparently, really you want to rewrite good. it. You keep it saying, like, well, women should be rewriting men. Yeah. You take that job. You know you will. <laughs> Love 2.0. Hey, do you want to rewrite Craig Mason's 2.0? Yeah, L, L2. <laughs> will I be triggered by it? The main thing. God, I feel like this has been like one of those episodes where I'm going to listen back and be like, oh, Morris. You didn't really. You were triggered. You were triggered, <coughs> and there's nothing you can do but about only, it. You've only done three prior to this, so one of those. Well, how in many most of them, those, I go. So all three. Uh, yeah, basically in most. <laughs> so this of them, is another one. There's another one. This is, another so one. all of them. All of basically. really once <laughs> again. So <laughs> consistency. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that to me, guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let me explain to you. <laughs> anyway, uh, Craig. This yeah. was a delight. Thank you, and I yes. knew that you two together, getting your brains together, would be like a, a romantic comedy fusion. And shall we just say to everybody, 
stop saying that these films aren't romantic comedies because yeah, they give it are. Up. Give it up. Give up the, the ghost. And women, just as you are, now I hear there's this huge surge of women starting to run for office. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> please, women, please run for those screenplay reins. We need you to. Yeah, and, you know, just have a, like, just just write, like, what you're going through at the moment, you know, and, and don't make yourself a frustrated writer who lives in Los Angeles, you know? Make yourself, like, someone totally different. I have another piece of advice for our Ooh, prospective please, yeah. female writers. Don't worry about doing it right. There is a, I see this happening all the time, and I think, wow, there's a burden that no man has. No man has to write with the burden of meeting a test of manonism. Uh, but women apparently have to write mm. and also be the perfect feminists. Yeah. Just write. Artist first, okay? Be a writer first. Don't worry. I trust you at home that you are a feminist. I trust you that you are progressive. I trust that you are aware that perhaps you've internalized some of the patriarchy. I get all of that. <laughs> what I'm saying to you is you are free to work and write as you wish without fear of being imperfect and impure because guess what? It is uh, impossible to get a 100 on that test, as far as I can tell. Oh. So don't wrap yourself up in that. Don't freak out. If you start writing something, you're like, oh, no, but wait, is this feminist? Is it a trope? Is it a thing? Is I think that's really great just advice. Just great advice. Yeah, great and, advice. And, like, and I think like, you have to... I, 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 I still find myself, 18 years later, second-guessing certain things yeah. that I write in terms of like the, the feminist aspect to it or angle on it. And, and so I think it's a good reminder, for sure. And um, transcends gender. I mean, that's good for all writers to think. Yeah, it's just that men never really have that... Nobody have to confront No one's ever seen saying to a man, you know, you didn't quite hit the level of purity of manonism that we, <laughs> yeah, that we right. expect you know, yeah. from you. Your script does not advocate for pure shared custody of children for men. I'm like, what? what? Yeah. Uh, get the F out of here, yeah. man. I, that's just not a thing that we have to deal with. True. We don't have that burden. True. Well, on that note, manonism. <laughs> Down with it. Moonism. Uh, moon, moonism. moonism. <laughs> we didn't really commit to that. I know. We? No. <laughs> moonism. Well, that was You Had Us At. Hello. With Craig Mason, the Yay. amazing Mason. Yes, thank you so much, Craig. My great, great pleasure. See you soon. Why don't they see you soon? No one's going to see me soon.